Well, good morning and welcome to, to Christ the King. Uh, I'm going to, uh, uh, we're not going to look at Genesis this morning, but I'm going to read some things to you and uh, talk a little bit about one. First of all, I'm going to talk a little bit about the security um, here at Christ the King uh, with respect to active shooters. And uh, then I want to share a little bit with you. I don't have anything prepared, so who knows, but... Uh, I'm going to share a little bit with you about this tragedy that has struck our community. You know, it's an adage that you never believe it's going to happen until it, ha- so it happens to other people, right? It doesn't ever happen to you. Well, it has happened to us, and I think how we uh, process it and approach it, every one of us is going to do this in a different way. Uh, however, uh, there are some common things that we have to do as Christians that pre- precedes everything else, whether you're... Uh, what your political affiliation is, is immaterial. Uh, Jesus is king, and he says to each of you and to me, uh, you're all in with me, and I will let you know what to do with that stuff. And that's my job. I stand in the uh, prophetic office of a minister of the gospel, uh, which is, uh, listen, it's no no bragging on my part. I don't know where he found me, but... uh, in any case, uh, we do need to talk about these things. So I'm going to do this this morning, uh, and, and hopefully it will help you uh, deal with what we're dealing with and give us some ways to go forward. Um, the violence in our country, uh, everyone in here probably has a different reason or why you think it's happening. Maybe we don't have enough guns. We need more guns. We need everybody to be carrying guns. Maybe you think we ought to take guns away. And anything else on the political spectrum, I'm not going to address that. Uh, I will tell you that uh, since the shooting in, uh, in Central Texas in the Baptist Church where those people were killed, you all know the story, right? Uh, this guy goes into the church and he kills a bunch of people in the Baptist Church. After that happened, the session of your church uh, began investigating security measures for Christ the King. Uh, we haven't said anything about it, but now we, we were going to, but we, we're going to move it up. So here you go. I'm going to do it quickly. We did have some uh, a consultation. We had uh, Ella, my secretary. Her husband is a, a special agent with the FBI, and he's been going around with church, helping churches. He set up the security system at St. Mark's uh, Methodist Church in the Valley and some others, and he came and did a, a security assessment of Christ the King. Now, as you know, we are worshiping in, in a bank, right? So we are secure. Uh, there's probably not a many places as secure as this bank. We have four exits. There's only four doors in this building. You can't crash a car into this building. And if you did, your car would be destroyed. You, the building will stay. In fact, nuclear war could hit and we're safe in here. If you can get in the vault. Okay. And, and, you, and I don't push you out. Uh, we've got a vault back there, actually. So we have four doors in the church. Front, two side ones down these where Sal's standing and out that way. We have an exit door here, solid metal door, can't break in, uh, that goes out into the teller area. In the event that anything happens in this church, you will want to, if you can, make your way to an exit or get on the floor, uh, grab people around you, help them to the floor, do whatever you have to do to get out of the way. We do have armed people in our church, and they're trained. 
Now, you don't know who they are, and I know who they are, and I'm sorry that I do. But uh, we do have armed people in our church that are trained and, and know what to do. We've gone through all that. Bob Sellers, uh, Ella's husband, went through everything with us. And we're in the process of doing some additional things. We'll add them incrementally as time goes on. But know that our building is secure, that we've got now, we, every door is locked. And we've even begun, some months ago, locking the front door after everybody's in. The front doors are locked so nobody can come in. Everybody can get out. They have crash bars on them so you can make your way out. There's no problem there. But nobody can come in. And we do have our deacons uh, stationed back there. They're watching to see if anybody comes late. You know, we're going to profile them. <laughs> Not according to race, but according to a whole group of other things. You with me? All right. So... Um, we're going to look at, at what's going on out there, and if somebody comes and they're just late or whatever, they're going to let them in, but they'll be, have to pass through uh, the diaconate. And uh, so there's, there are those things in place that we have. Get out of the building if you can, if you hear something, or you hear, or if, if you see me, I got the best view. If you see me run for my life, <laughs> you run for yours, okay? So uh, we have addressed the issue of security partially. We've got a long way to go yet. We still have things we want to do. Uh, but we want to do the right thing for our church. We don't want to get scared to death. Jesus said 365 times in the Bible, the Bible says 365, do not fear. He didn't say do not take precautions. He didn't say do not be wise. He also said don't be stupid. So that's, I added that. So we, we, want, we don't want to be stupid Christians and say, oh, if God wants to kill me, he can kill me. No, no, no. We're going to take precautions, okay? So that's the first thing. Second thing is I'm going to read a couple things to you and talk just from my heart. I have, honestly, I have nothing. This is a bulletin. I have nothing prepared. But I believe the Holy Spirit will guide me. I don't want you to turn to these passages. Just listen. It'll be better if you simply listen to God's word. It was meant to be listened to. Uh, so there's a passage in Luke 24. All of you are familiar with this passage if you've ever read your Bible or been in church for any length of time. And if you're not familiar with the story, this is after the resurrection. And after the resurrection, there are two disciples. We only know the name, I think, of one of them. And they're heading down this road to Emmaus. And they're on the road to Emmaus, and they're talking amongst themselves about the tragedy of the crucifixion, and all their hopes are dashed. As you know, the disciples did not believe the gospel. His own apostles didn't believe him. The women did. The men didn't. The leaders of the church just couldn't get their head around it. So... The story is, these men are walking down this road and they're talking about how bad, oh, our hopes are dashed. Our hopes are dashed. The future is bleak. And Jesus comes and joins them, but because they're, for one thing, they're not expecting Him, and for another, He's in, a, in, a, in, a, in His human body, and He probably had like people in that day, they covered, you know, they wore hoods. You know, hoodies are not new. And so He was... He was you know, they, they probably didn't recognize him. Well, they didn't recognize him. may have been supernaturally that they couldn't recognize him. Maybe it was because they weren't anticipating seeing him. They just didn't see him. It doesn't really matter, but they didn't recognize him. And he says to them very kindly, he says, what are you talking about? And they said, oh, we're tired. Are you the only one? You know, they're sarcastic to Jesus. All right, don't do that. 
So they're telling him, are you the only one that uh, comes to Jerusalem and you don't know what's going on in the world? I mean, where have you been? And uh, Jesus said, no, I don't know what's going on. Tell me about it. And so they went, well, this Jesus of Nazareth, we thought it was him. We thought he was the guy. We thought he was the Messiah. We put all our hopes in And our, our leaders took him. They crucified him and he's dead. Now what he says to them, he says to you and to me this morning. O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that is written in the prophets. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He interpreted to them in all the Scriptures concerning Himself. So they draw near to a village to which they were going. And He acted as if He was going to continue on the road. And they, they said, please uh, stay with us. So they went in together, and, and, and I'll stop with that. They go in together, and they sit down to eat, and Jesus, as they would at any meal, like you will today at lunch after church, He took the bread, and He broke it, and He blessed it, and as He did, their eyes were opened, and they saw Him. They, they, they had been seeing Him, but they recognized who He was. And immediately He disappeared. Now, I don't know how He did that, you know, He just, just did and they said, didn't our hearts burn within us? Now, a lot of you, you give up your Sunday mornings to come here, and some of you do more during the week for the church. And, you're... and some of you don't do much at all. You just come to church on Sunday morning whenever it's convenient. But let me tell you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, everything in this book is written about Him, every word. And if you're a believer in Jesus then every breath you take is His. It was His to give you. And it is His to take away. And the fate of these people, these innocent, make no mistake, these are innocent people. Their fate uh, is in God's hands. And we must recognize that. Okay, so that's something that all of us need to understand when a tragedy like this strikes. So how uh, should Christ the King, how should our church uh, process it? Well, very practically, there are no end of things that you can do, and I hope that some of you will do these things. There are blood, they need blood, so go donate some blood. Uh, there are funds being set up for the families of these victims, uh, so give generously to that, and if you don't know what to do, call the office or one of our deacons, and uh, we'll help, uh, help find ways to direct uh, money to these people that need help. Um, there's places where you can donate stuff, like clothes and water and things like that. I don't know how much of that they need, but uh, 20 people were killed, and, and, and I don't know, 40-some, 40 46 wounded, is that correct? Some, some large number of people were affected. So that means that every one of their family members was affected and every one of their friends were affected. And if they belong to a church or synagogue or 
what have you, a mosque, every one of them is affected, and on and on it goes. So you can see there are multiple layers to this. And uh, so I want to read something to you that Jesus said, very familiar, and talk about it for a moment, and then we'll uh, spend some time praying together and a few other things. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. Just listen to what he said. He's giving a sermon, and this is his sermon. He opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you, blessed are you, when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, and so they persecuted the prophets before you. You are the salt of the world. But if the salt, it's a warning here, if the salt has lost its taste, how shall it be salty? How shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown into the trash heap, discarded. And for people to trample it under their feet. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand. And it gives to all in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law. I have not come to abolish the law. I have come to fulfill it. Truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until it is all accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of these commandments and teaches them to others, to do the same will be the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them, whoever does them, and teaches them will be called great in heaven. For I tell you, unless your deeds of righteousness exceed the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. He goes on, of course, in the sermon to talk about anger. He talks about uh, lust. He talks about divorce. All of them is an example of, of what is going on here in the Sermon of the Mount. He talks about retaliation. He talks about loving your enemies. He talks about giving to the needy. He, he gives us the Lord's Prayer. We just prayed it a moment ago. We don't believe it, but we did pray it. Uh, he talks about fasting. He talks about laying up your treasures in heaven, not in the earth. 
He talks about not worrying, not being anxious. Not make, he's not saying don't make provisions, don't think rationally like a human being, but he's saying don't let anxiety drive you. Let my word drive you. Let what I'm saying move you along. He talks about judging others. He says to, not, to, not to give up in prayer. Persevere. Gives us the golden rule. Talks about the tree and its fruit. Warns. Warns us. Us. Not to be among those who talk the talk but don't walk the walk because He's going to say to us, I never knew you. You did a lot of things for me, but I never knew you. He said, you don't want to build your house on the sand. I don't know what the sand is for you, but you know. Built your house on the rock of my words. When he finished these sayings, listen to how they responded, how the crowd responded to Jesus. They were astonished. Never had anybody taught like this man. And he just laid the greatest burden on humanity probably that has ever been laid on man. If you read that, those Beatitudes, I hope that they crushed you and broke you and brought humility and sorrow into your heart because of how we feel and treat others around us, starting with the people in this room. And then move out. Go out into your neighborhoods and then go globally. We hate people. We hate people of different races and colors and, 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 and beliefs and whatever. White, black, doesn't matter what it is. You, we all do that. And if you say you don't, you're already deceived. And I've been preaching, I preached for a half a year through the book of Revelation. And today, the book of Revelation has come to El Paso. Do you see it? And we're looking at Genesis. We just looked at Lamech, and we looked at, at Cain and Abel, and we looked at Lamech, and we looked at, uh, uh, we're going to look next time with, we're going to talk about Seth and his descendants, and, and, the, and the prelude to the flood. Next time. That was for today, but I can't, I couldn't do it. And I'm not chastening you. We have a wonderful congregation. We have a congregation filled with loving and kind people. But where is the world going to hear this beatitude? Where are they going to see people that are willing to suffer and put their rights, maybe even the rights the Constitution gave them, underneath this? Who will do it? Who? There's one. Okay, two. Not bad out of a hundred people. I'll give you. I'll give you a second chance, folks. Who will do it? We will. And if you will not, then please stop coming to our church. Because we're going to live this gospel. You can come and visit and kind of see what the crazy people are doing, but we are going to live this. I'm going to live this, and I know that some of you want to live this. You don't want to just come to church and hear about it. You want to actually do something. And here's what you can do. Suffer. 
Suffer gladly for the people around you. Give up your rights, your legal rights if necessary, for the rights of others, or for the, for the benefit of somebody else. If they break into your house and they want to take your goods, you can defend yourself. Of course, you have a right to do that. But you could also take your coat off and your stuff and give it to them and say, okay, take it. Well, I think in the meantime, I'll kill you too. Okay, you can do that. And I'm going to kill your wife and rape your daughter. Well, I'm going to put up a fight, but I guess you can do that too. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus didn't say, come to me and everything is going to be rosy. He said, come to me and die. And I'm afraid that the American church, and I'm worried about our church, and I want you to know very clearly, we have been called to something higher than being a Republican or Libertarian or Democrat or anything in between. Way higher. You have been called to come and die, to join this Jesus who said these words, and to die for people unlike you who may even persecute you. And if we think we're going to be able to protect our country and it's going to be here forever and be the new Jerusalem, you have got another thing coming. I love the United States. I'm glad to be here, but I didn't, my family didn't come from here. And no, you know what? None of you came from here either. We got rid of the people that lived here. Now, I have the bully pulpit and so I'm being a bully. And you can disagree with me. I'm not talking politics here. I'm talking the gospel of Jesus. I just read you his words. Suffer. Be poor in spirit. That means humility, utter humility. Nobody's better. You're not better than anybody. In fact, you see, you look around yourself and you see other people better than yourselves. Didn't the Apostle Paul say that? You look around, that's how you see other people. Now this, this young man... Do you know El Paso has always been a peaceful city? We have we always in the top four or five peaceful cities. Do you know what it took to have this happen? We had to import somebody from the suburbs of North Dallas. A privileged white person who lives in a, in a suburb, went to a fancy high school in North Dallas, who is angry, and I asked Monty V in the car this morning, I said, Monty V, what could this young man possibly be angry about? He's never been hungry a day in his life. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not dissing on white people, I'm a white person, sort of. You understand what I'm saying, folks? Christ the King. I'm talking to you from my heart. I don't have a note up here. I may be getting myself in trouble. Am I getting myself in trouble, Dave? Am I okay so far? Gary, am I okay? I'm all right. Give me a thumbs up, everyone. So I'm a little nervous up here. Look, folks. I mean, come on. El Paso is a good place, a beautiful city, and we get along. We got all kinds of illegal immigrants here. We got all kinds of different people here. You're a minority. I mean, come on. And we've got to import somebody from somewhere else to do this kind of thing. That says something. 
says something about our city. And I'm saying this to Christ the King, to you. There are just a few of us here. Folks, a hundred, maybe what? If you don't change, if you don't become different, if you don't step up and be, look, what he says, if, you don't, if you're not poor in spirit, poor in spirit means that you're broken. You don't hold up your rights. No, nothing. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I owe. All. That means all. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And by the way, he's talking about this now. He's not talking about some future by and by. He says this is, this is a life of kingdom people now, right now. You're going to mourn. You're going to be poor in spirit. You're going to have people persecuting. You're going to have people taking your jobs away from you. You're going to have stuff happening. What are you going to do? Where are you going to look? How are you going to be? All right. Blessed are the meek. Another word for humble, broken, down underneath. Everybody's ahead of me. I will push you to the front. I will stay back. You get your food first. I will come last. And I won't complain. I'll go without a meal if I have to. My dad's mom, Minnie, uh, Isaac, uh, when they lived down in the, in the, in the central t- part of town, downtown, they had uh, people from, from Lebanon and Syria coming by droves. They had a hotel. My, my grandmother and grandfather owned a, uh, one of the old hotels. That I think they tore it down, didn't they? Where's my dad? Which, which one was it? Where the baseball stadium is, all you Chihuahua fans, you ruined our family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they own a hotel. And how many people came through our, that home immigrating, fleeing the, the violence in, in, uh, in the Middle East? It was violent then. They're coming over here trying to save their lives. And she harbored them and fed them. And her own children would go hungry at times so that they could have something to eat. And I met those people some years later when I was an adult and they spoke of her with reverence. My other grandmother the same way. And I'm telling you, we got to be those people. You have to be those people. Let goods and kindreds go. This mortal life, although the body they may kill. What's the next line? God's Word abideth still. And that Word is Jesus Christ. When all these other nitwit rulers in our world, all of them, are gone, long gone. Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? He is the Lord. <laughs> My goodness. You've pledged, you've, if any of you have come forward and gotten baptized, you gave your life, you were buried with Him in baptism. Do you understand what He's calling you to, My friends. He's not calling to some milk toast wishy washy. He's calling you to go all in. And if we can't go all in together, it's going to be hard to go in all alone. So I'm appealing to you. This is a wake up call. It's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. Don't let anybody tell you things are going to get better. They're going to get worse. And nobody, look at this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be satisfied. Are we truly hungering and thirsting for righteousness? And the merciful, do you know what mercy is? Mercy is not giving somebody what they deserve to get. You're withholding it. 
You're withholding punishment from somebody and absorbing the cost of it yourself. Are you with me? These are elementary stuff. Folks, this is elementary because this is Christianity 101. We don't need to talk about predestination. (laughs) This is 101. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Is your heart right with God? Are you naked? Are we naked and unashamed before our God? Can we stand before Him and say, I have nothing to hide. You're the only being in all this world. Even my beloved wife, she doesn't know me like Jesus knows me. He knows me down to the bottom. He knows you down to the bottom. And He still loves you and wraps His arms around you and wants you to come in close. Never holds His nose at you. And blessed are the peacemakers. Let me tell you something. The rhetoric that we're hearing in our government today is demonic. Demonic. And it's coming from both parties. It's coming from people that aren't even citizens of our country in other parts of the world. There is a demon loose. You remember Revelation? These demons that went out and started to infect people? There is a demonic element to the anger and the vitriol and the hatred and the polarization that is infecting our culture today. And as your pastor and as a prophet of God and standing in this holy place under the anointing of Holy Spirit, I am going to make something very clear to you. It is infecting our our churches and we are getting angry and we are siding up with our political parties and we're finding everybody we can agree with and we're looking out with suspicion against everybody else and judgment starts first at the household of God and so my job because I do love you my job is to tell you that these words are to us we don't need to criticize Washington they are long gone There, one. See, this is a Republican stronghold, let me tell you. If we, have, if, we, if we have political power, folks, we think we're okay. And I can tell you it may be the worst thing that has ever happened to the American church. In 200 years, listen to my words. You won't be around to check me so I can lie. Uh, but in 200 words, when they write church history for the United States of America, these are going to be dark days. Not Trump. This whole decade and more and more, going back to who knows when. Dark days for the American church. Dark. So my question to you, and I'm going to finish, who in the world is going to speak peace? They're not going to do it. Who's going to do it? We will. Who's going to do it for crying out loud? Who is going to go out there and start speaking peace and reconciliation and kindness to those around us, especially our enemies? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you. Persecute you, utter kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heavens. Why? Because you're in good company. They persecuted the prophets. 
And I got to tell you, folks, there are few prophets in the American church. There just aren't. They claim to be prophets, but they're not. They're saying, peace, peace, all will be well. In fact, you can have everything you want right now. You can have the New Jerusalem here. You believe it and you can receive it. You can have cars and money and health and wealth. And you can have everything you want. We can have political power. We can have the kingdom of God right now. Never mind Jesus. Now, they don't say that, but that's what they mean. And by the way, send me your money because I need an $85 million jet because I've got to get from here to there. Now, I'm persuaded, like the Apostle Paul was, that these things are not true of Christ the King. I know many of you very well. And I know that this is not the heart of this church. It's got to start somewhere, folks, and we're going to have to change. We've had our local wake-up call. We've had our tragedy, one of the worst mass killings in U.S. history. Twenty people, I think Orlando uh, at the... Uh, at at the bar in Orlando, they had 30 or something. This is a terrible tragedy for El Paso. A terrible tragedy. And in a way, it's good for us because we all live in our little, our little bubbles and we don't know what's going around, or going around us. Uh, the other day, I wasn't feeling well. I'd been to the doctor and I, took a, I, I left and I just... I took off and I, I decided I was going to take the drive on the new, the new highway, try to do the whole thing and just spend some time thinking. And so I took off, and I went, I took the whole border highway. Now, some of you may have done that entire route. I never have done the whole thing. But I, I drove along the border highway with the fence there and all that stuff. And, and I just thought that we are living in a time when the, the, one, the one group of people that should be speaking peace, suffering for righteousness, living in a way that, that co- it costs you. It's costly. I'm not going to tell you it's not costly. It's going to be costly the one group of people that even have the slimmest chance of bringing social justice and righteousness and goodness to our country, to our world, to our land, who can speak peace, are going to be you and I. And we've been called to do it. And I want to leave you with this one last thing. And I want to leave you with it. I told you that... The Sermon on the Mount, it's crushing. It is a crushing burden. Do you hear it? Do you feel it? How will you do it? Well, I don't know about you, but I know, and I've known for a long time, who the one who is truly poor in spirit. I know one who did mourn and was not... He wasn't comforted. I know someone that was meek and inherited a cross. The only ground he got was a garbage dump. I know somebody that was hungry and thirsty for righteousness and remained hungry and thirsty. I know somebody that was merciful and received no mercy. 
I know somebody that was pure in heart. But there was a moment, my friends, in history when even he could not see God. I know somebody that was persecuted for righteousness. And he got a grave. No kingdom. A tomb. That wasn't even his own. He had to borrow it. I know someone that was reviled, that was persecuted, and all manner of evil spoken against him. He deserved none of it. I know someone that rejoiced and was glad, not for his own sake, but for yours. And his reward, the reward that Jesus got, I want you to, if you don't listen to one thing I said, the reward that Jesus got for all this is you. For the joy that was set before him, being able to come and save you and get you out of this gutter of the world, this creation of chaos, and take you to a new creation. That's what He came for. He came to rescue you, to save you from the wrath to come, which is coming. He's saving you from that. And the reason why we must, we can't just read this all Sermon on the Mount very nice, this is a burden on me. No, no, it was a burden for Him. It's a joy for you. It's a privilege for you to suffer. It is not a, it's not a demand. It's not a, an obligation. If it's an obligation, don't come, don't come to church. Stop coming. Go to some other place. Some other place that you can be obligated elsewhere. He doesn't obligate you to anything. He tells you, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Come. Learn about me. I'm poor. I'm, I'm lowly. I'm meek. But you will find rest for your souls and Him nowhere else. So folks, um, I can't speak any more plainly to you than that about this terrible tragedy. There are people suffering and hurting right now that we cannot even imagine. And Jesus has called His church more to more than just potlucks and pizza parties and youth groups and all this stuff. Way more. We can do all that. But we're also going to have to do this. We're going to have to do it because He did it so that we could. Do you hear me? He did this so that we could do it. So we would be able to step in and by the power of His Spirit be a different kind of people. And America needs this kind of people. The globe needs this kind of people. And if we don't do it, I don't know who's going to do it. Maybe the church in China. Maybe the Koreans. Maybe the folks in South America. I don't know. Mexico. I don't know. Maybe God's just going to say, you know, this American church, they're too fat and happy. They're Laodicea. I'm just going to have to leave them alone. I don't know. So, I'm asking you to join me. I'm asking you to join the elders of this church and the deacons of this church and the leaders. And many, many of you have already made this commitment, but I'm asking you to do it. 
And uh, not just because this tragedy came to El Paso. Let this be a time where you cross the Rubicon. You move from here to there and you don't come back. Jesus said, if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not worthy of me. That's hard. Will you do it? Will you trust him? Will you trust him? That's the question. Will you? Yes.